and we back. Today, I want to talk about reception. And you know, when I think of receptions and weddings, I think of The Matrimony by Usher and Wale, which happens to be one of my favorite songs. And what made it one of my favorite songs, what solidified it for me, was that Usher was getting back to his confessions days, which is when so many of us fell in love with him. In 2019, we found out that Confessions Part 3 is that he's about to show the girls how to do it. He said, skip a revenge body, give me that revenge body wave. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know how to be serious, so let's cut to commercial. I came to tell you about a way that you can continue engaging with today's topic. If something really stood out to you or shocked you or pissed you off, Go to rebelmedia.com backslash rebel-radio and hit the button that says leave a comment to leave a comment about what stood out to you. That's rebel, R-W-E-B-E-L, media.com backslash rebel-radio. Contrary to what I purported in the other portion of this segment, I'm not actually going to be talking about wedding receptions on this episode. I'm talking information reception. In the words of Ja Rule, who's not a hip-hop legend, I wouldn't call that fraud, I would call that false advertising. And actually, let's unpack the Fire Festival. Because it bothered me that these people could go to this island that they've exoticized, yeah, I made a word, and their experience was very transactional. So they took something from it without actually contributing anything to it. And I want to keep that in mind because I'm going to South Africa very soon, and I want to be receptive, which is why I made that the title of today's episode. You are now tuned in to Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio is a monthly podcast that premieres the first Tuesday of every month. Each month, I select a new topic and break it into three segments. Art Echo, which is two minutes of art reflections. Culture Digest, which is five minutes of conversations with special guests. And Three Under Three, which is three ideas I would present in under three minutes. Thank you for joining this Rebel with the Cause as I unpack culture and difference in just 10 minutes. That, my friends, is the sound of a paintbrush, which means it's time for Art Echo. Today's Art Echo segment, I am going to describe an image from an art exhibit inside the DuSable Museum in Chicago, Illinois. This exhibit was named Troublemaker and it was created by South African artist Ayanda Mabulu. Some of the things that I am going to describe are very sensitive topics and I want to give a trigger warning to anybody who's listening. One art piece that stood out to me was this image of Jacob Zuma, who's the former president of South Africa, and Fizikile Kuzwayo, who accused Zuma of sexual assault, and another man whom I'm not familiar with. And in this image, the other man was holding Kuzwayo down while Zuma performed sexual acts on her. And this was a response to the allegations that he had sexually assaulted her. And he was actually someone she was close to. She considered him an uncle. When I saw that picture, I thought about my class lectures when we talked about the women's movements in South Africa, such as hashtag total shutdown. This movement was started by women and gender non-binary individuals in South Africa who want their government to address rape culture within the country. That's a whole lot of art. In order to allow all of it to digest, Let's take a passing period into the next segment. 
So what made you want to go to South Africa? I always wanted to go to Africa since I was younger. So for like the whole week in Africa, I think we had to pay like a thousand dollars, which wasn't too bad. And I really enjoyed it. And it was a community service trip. And it was supposed to be a service learning trip, which is something that I really wanted to do because I like to travel in a way to where I get to learn the people and get to be a part of the country and not just visit like the touristy areas. And so it's something, and always going back to like the motherland, it's something that I always wanted to do, like coming to see Africa for the first time and returning back. It's always something that I've always wanted to do. To get a better sense of what it's like as a black American seeing Africa for the first time and seeing South Africa, I am going to interview with Jasmine Johnson. She got a bachelor's of science in history. One of the, the coolest things about the trip was that the year prior to me going to South Africa, I had a fellowship and I got to meet a lot of people from South Africa. So I have a lot of friends from South Africa and they told me about the country and like how they grew up and different things. And then it's different to see what like hearing a story and then actually seeing it. And um, was there anything about the trip that kind of stood out to you that kind of you think about even today after you took the trip? Um, two things. Uh, one of them is it's the food. I'm a food person, so I really, really enjoyed the food. But in Johannesburg and, and really in Soweto, um, they had a lot of traditional uh, South African food, traditional African food. So um, we had uh, curry chicken, we had oxtail, we had pap and stamp, and pap is like foo-foo almost. The other part that stood out to me was to learn about all the different activist movements. It was really led by young people. And when I mean young, I mean very, very young, like 12 years old. Even though despite their age, they were willing to sacrifice their lives for something that meant so much to them. And to see how much stuff has changed, but also on the other side of that, how much stuff hadn't changed. So it's really interesting how for us, the civil rights movement is really thought about in the 1960s or the 1970s. But their, their civil rights almost ended only in the 90s. Now, was there anything that you wish you would have learned more about or that you can go back to learn more about? To understand the language is also very, very important because I feel like that's how you know people and that's how you talk. So um, talk to people and get a better understanding of them. And so even though everybody speaks in English, um, it's different when people speak their native tongue. Um, and it's sort of like their second language. A lot of people, English is their second language. And so it's sort of really interesting to see because they don't code switch, but when you're talking, they're talking to their family, they speak in their native tongue. And so it's really interesting to see. And that's one thing that I wish I learned while I was there is to learn at least one of the languages while I was there because I think it's just amazing. And I, I still hands down think it's amazing that most people in South Africa know up to two or three languages. Everybody knows English. Um, and most people know like, two or three languages. And I think their national songs in 14 different languages, where they have all different parts, they have all languages represented in it. So at least everybody knows at least one word out of it. One of the most memorable parts of my trip was visiting the Hector Peterson Museum. You actually get to see how bad apartheid was, see how young these people were, and to see like what education meant to them. And that was the biggest impact for me, to see how bad they wanted to be educated and to see how much they wanted to be free.
The year 1994 is significant for me because my brother was actually born in 1994. So to think that black South Africans have only really had freedom for 24 or 25 years is just, it's just a perspective shift. Echoing that last point, I want to highlight the upcoming elections in South Africa since this will be just the sixth time that black South Africans have had voting rights. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Nah, it's just the end of the episode. As we part ways, I'll leave you with some things to parse before we meet again. So here are three things that I feel like you should look out for if you're going to follow the South African elections. Number three, campaign promises for decolonized education. So recently, the ANC, which is the African National Congress, released a manifesto about how they're planning to decolonize education. And what that means is that black South African students will have the same educational opportunities as white South African students. Number two, activism. So in 2014, the EFF or the Economic Freedom Fighters became an official part of South Africa's parliament. The youth are tired and they just want a change within South Africa. Number one, land reform. Land reform is so big in South Africa because it's really a direct effect of apartheid. Black South Africans who make up 80% of South Africa's population control just 4% of the land. Today's episode and all episodes of Rebel Radio would not be possible without supporters. So first, I want to shout out my former classmate Jasmine Johnson who went to South Africa in 2016. Then, I want to thank my Rowdy Rebels who have tuned in for three episodes as I've just shared my thoughts on culture and difference. Until next time.